You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Well, we have just started our series on 1 Samuel. And I just sense so much as a church that God is trying to talk to us as a church body and us individually about growing our faith and what I'm calling a living faith. First Samuel is full of individuals that many of them were faithful. Like we saw last week, Hannah facing tremendous pain uh, in her life and all that she walked through. And yet she stepped forward and she was a faithful, a woman of faith. We're going to see this week that there are two sons of a man named Eli, who was kind of the priest of God. And his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were faithless. So we see in 1 Samuel faithful, faithfulness. We see faithlessness. And so it's really a, a book that's just unpacking in real life what it means for you and for me to be people of God that are trusting Jesus as our Savior and Lord, but that are living out our faith. Not just like, not that there's, you know, like compartmentalized in our life that just says, well, here's our faith and we trust in Jesus here, but, you know, this we're doing ourselves and this and this. It's kind of like Jesus is just one area of our life. Living faith says, not only do I trust Jesus for my salvation, but Jesus is involved in every area of my life. I want to live out my faith practically as I go to work and as I play and as I live my life and as I'm with my family, as I'm alone or however that works. But it's a living faith that can be seen and touched and tasted and smelled and, and felt in real life, real life challenges, real life opportunities. That's what we're talking about this morning. You see, the faith that we have when we surrender our life to Jesus, when our eyes are kind of open and we really realize that only Jesus' sacrifice on the cross can save us from our sin, that's the beginning of real faith. That's the beginning when it's just real in our life, and it's kind of like a seed being planted into our soul. You know, I planted four apple trees this year. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that they kind of do something in a couple of years. You know, I want, I kind of did the math and I'm like, oh my goodness, can they really produce that much? You know, knowing me, I might get like three apples instead of like, you know, 30 or whatever, but I'm okay with that. But those roots, you know, they get planted into the soil and they spread out and as the tree reaches out and, you know, photosynthesizes and gets all its energy from the sun. It's much like what the faith is meant to do in our heart. God plants that, that in our lives and we trust Him. And in that moment of our salvation, when we surrender to Jesus, that's really just the beginning. That God wants that faith, as it were, to spread. He wants our, our life to put down roots into Him. And He wants that faith to really become a living faith, something that touches every area of our life. And then this morning, we... We're going to see kind of what not to do. Last week is kind of what to do. This week is kind of the opposite. It's like, don't make these mistakes. Do it differently. So there's this guy by the name of Eli, and he is the priest of God leading the people of Israel, God's representative uh, there on the, on the land. And his two sons, that we'll see, he did not know how to hold them accountable and God comes and God judges them. So let's unpack the first story. We're going to kind of read this in chunks so that we don't forget or miss anything. But read with me, if you would, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 and following. The Bible says this, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. Worthless. They were just disrespectful. They were just, just awful. Did not honor God. And here's why. They did not know the Lord. Some of your translations will say they did not respect the Lord. That word at its root means didn't know Him. 
They didn't respect Him because they didn't know Him. They didn't have a personal relationship with God. The custom of the priest with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and all that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is not what God said to do, but it's what they were doing. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, it's not that they wanted to eat it raw, they just wanted to put their special seasonings and sauce and cook it the way they wanted it. They just wanted to get it you know, fresh, as it were. And so, and if a man said to him, let them burn the fat first, then take as much as you wish, he would say, no, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. How would you like that, going to church? You know, like getting a shakedown on the way in the door, you know I mean? Just, that's what, that's what was going on. That's what they were doing. Thus, the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. The backstory to this is a little foreign to us. We don't go to church, and thankfully you don't have to bring your sheep and goats and things to do sacrifices here. I'm really kind of grateful that we don't live in that world, and I don't have to do those things, and we don't have to do those things. But at that time, to worship God, you would come, you would offer your sacrifice to God. It was a picture of the perfect sacrifice that was coming in Jesus Christ. In the way that it was, the priests were to live off the, the in essence, the tithes and the offerings of the people. And so they would come and the, the people would you know, make their sacrifice and they would, they would decide what to give to the priest. And they would give a portion and they would have enough to live. But these guys, that wasn't enough. They decided everybody that came by, they'd get a hunk of meat. They would get it. I don't know. I can't imagine they ate all of that. They must have turned around like black market selling it as well. I mean, there's just all kinds of wrong going on here. And then it finally got so bad that not only were they taking it out of the pot, I mean, just the picture like, this is for God. I'm honoring God. And then just the awfulness of these guys just coming in. And think about the conversation and husbands and wives like, honey, I want to go worship God, but I got to deal with these jokers. What are these guys doing? You know, like, this is just wrong. And then they finally just started shaking guys down like, hey, what do you got there? Oh, that's some nice, you know, the deer hunters are in. That's some nice backstrap. I'll take some of that. You know, I'll have some, I'll have this nice roast. I'll put this on the side. You know, we'll cook that up on the barbecue later. Just making a blasphemous mockery of the sacrifices ultimately that were made to picture Jesus Christ. And as we'll see in a moment, God took that personally. So I really want this morning, this passage was really, this, this story of Hophni and Phinehas really unfolds for us really well what a living faith really looks like. I really want you and I, to, to, for us to get our, our picture, to get a, a, a mind wrapped around of what real living faith looks like in your life and mine. And the first thing that you need to recognize is that it starts with a knowing faith. It starts with knowing not just God, but knowing Jesus Christ. These men were worthless men, the Bible says in verse 12. They, but the real issue is they did not know the Lord. I want that to sink in for a minute. So here, Eli is a faithful priest to God. 
to some degree. Every week he's honoring God, he's reading the Bible, he's representing God to the people. He was a faithful priest. He raised his two sons in the middle of it. They knew what all of that was about. They knew the Bible. They had heard the stories. They had read that. They were teaching that. They were doing all of the religious things. They had gone through all the classes. They had they had gone through you know, Sunday schools as a kid. They had gone through their catechism and their confirmation classes, if you will, if that's your church background. They had done all of the things that the church had told them to do, and yet they did not personally know the Lord. See, the issue wasn't that they didn't believe in God. They believed in God. But the issue is they did not know Him. They believed in Him, but they didn't really know Him in their heart. They didn't have a relationship with Him. You know, there's plenty of people that you believe in, that you know that there exists, that you believe that are real. There's plenty of people that you might even trust. You know, like, I really trust that guy. But you don't have a relationship with them. You might, you know, you don't really know them. They don't know you by name. You see, it should really be startling to us that, that it's possible to be really faithful and do all of the religious things and go to church and to believe all of these things and to believe in God, not doubting that, but to actually not to know Him. Real living faith in our soul starts with a knowing relationship with Jesus Christ. It starts with a, a personal stepping forward and a commitment in our life that says, Lord Jesus, I want to know You. I want You directly involved in my life. I want to yield myself and surrender myself to You. I see that You died on the cross for my sins, and I trust You. I, I want to have a relationship with new, You, not just a, a belief in God or praying to God, if you will, out there, but a faith that's real in here. We'll see in a, a moment. The Bible never says that Eli didn't know the Lord. Eli did. He had trouble with the rest of the things when it comes to living faith. But Hophni and Phinehas, their real problems are, they were doing wrong stuff that we'll see in a minute, but it really goes back to the reality that they really just simply did not know Jesus. They had never taken that step of faith. They had been in church their whole life. They knew what was going on. But they personally had never made that commitment. Some of you, that is the same as you. You've been raised in church your whole life. You've never not believed in God. You've been raised to be you know, a good girl or a good boy, if you will, and to kind of live that out. And you know all of the rules. You know what church is about. And you pray to God and all these things. You might even have a sense of God working in your life and those kind of things but you've never really taken that personal step that says, but Lord, I know you want more. And I know that I, I need to yield myself to trust Jesus, to surrender my life to Him, that He is my personal Savior and my personal Lord. Not that just God is out there, but that Jesus saves me from my sins. Not something that I do, not something that my church does, but I trust Jesus. See, for some of you, you know enough to take that step. You just haven't submitted and surrendered to do that. And I urge you today to not let today go by, not let the morning go by without you making that commitment to Him, to take that real step 
with Him. Second thing I want you to recognize is not only does living faith start as a knowing faith, but knowing faith leads to a, an honoring faith, a submissive kind of faith, if you will. You see, when, when the Bible's telling us about these men, the problem is, is that they, these were adult men. These were not kids, all right? And the problem was, the real problem is they didn't know the Lord. But because they didn't know the Lord, they didn't honor Him in their heart. And more specifically, they didn't honor His sacrifice. That's what the Bible says in verse 17. Thus the sin of the young men was very great. This is beyond gluttony and just beyond being disrespectful to people. This is far beyond that. This is basically making a mockery of Jesus' sacrifice. God took this personally. And so it was a huge thing because they treated the offering of the Lord with contempt, with a, a disrespect, with a kind of a kicking at it and ignoring it, acting as if it wasn't something that was really there. I was buying a hunting license. In fact, a couple of my kids and I were there, uh, I'd say, just two or three weeks ago. And uh, in the way in New York, if you don't know this or not, but there's a special permit that you can ask permission for that you can have the uh, potential to, to take another deer than just what's standard. And it's it's kind of almost like a quasi-lottery, you know. You're not, you're not, it's not so much that, well, I guess you are paying money, whether you get it or not. You are putting money into it. And, uh, and, and you hope that you get this special permission. And one of the guys that I was there who's buying his license, I'm just waiting and standing around. There are all kinds of guys around. And, uh, and the, the guy that was going online, getting the licenses for him, came back and said, well, I'm sorry you didn't get what you had asked for. And the guy kind of just, he kind of looked around, he looked at me and kind of, you know, spoke up, everybody heard, well, that's all right. Nobody can tell me what to do on my own land. I'll just take one anyway. And I thought, my goodness, dude. That's really just kind of bold, you know. And we can unpack that further. But what he was doing was this. He was disrespecting the law, which... If you don't know this in New York, the animals don't belong to landowners. That's the British system. They belong to the people, right? It's irrelevant what land they're on. But he was acting as if the law didn't exist. All right? Catch that. That's what Hophni and Phineas are doing. They're acting as if the sacrifice of the Lord didn't exist. And God took that personally. You see, when you don't know the Lord, it ultimately will always lead to you and me. It will lead to the individual dishonoring and disrespecting the sacrifice of Christ. Now, this for us, especially in the church today, is why the Lord's Supper is important in how we approach that. We do it once a month. We do it the first Sunday of every month. In fact, we'll be doing it next Sunday. And the Bible makes it really clear that we ought to be careful on how we take this. We shouldn't be afraid to do it. There should be a thankfulness in our heart when we take that wafer, the picture of Jesus' body, and we drink that juice, a picture of His blood, that it's meant to remind us of what our Lord did for us. It's meant to remind us of His sacrifice. It's meant to remind us that we trust Him to save us from our sins and not anything that we do. But the Bible warns us and says, you know what? You can come and you can participate in this flippantly. You can just kind of not care and just act like you're just doing whatever, you know, stand up, sit down, or kind of doing your thing and act like it's no big deal. 
Or you can actually be coming and you actually can be living your life in such disregard of God and living in sin and you're participating in any way. And what we're doing when we do that is we're doing the exact same thing as these two young men did. We are dis disrespecting, dishonoring the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus because it's not about the two little elements that we're taking. Those are nothing special. They're just pointing back to the real thing. The Old Testament sacrifices, all the bulls and things that got sacrificed, they were simply pointing to Jesus. And they needed to keep being sacrificed as a reminder that the perfect sacrifice hasn't come. You and I take the Lord's Supper looking back that Jesus' sacrifice has already come, and we don't sacrifice anymore because the Bible makes it clear there's only one sacrifice that needed to happen. And Jesus entered into the Holy of Holies Himself into the very presence of God and laid His life down for you and for me and He took upon Himself your sin and mine. And that was a one-time thing, never to be done or reenacted you know, re again. And so how you and I approach remembering that sacrifice matters in our life. So living faith for you and for me starts out as a knowing faith that we know Jesus personally, but then it goes to the next step, which is an honoring kind of faith. We'll see here that, that Eli did not have this kind of faith. We haven't read it yet. I'll read it more in a, uh, the whole thing in a minute. But listen, when God comes to confront Eli, because this is not just about two messed up boys. This is about a dad that didn't know how to hold two messed up young men accountable. Listen to what God says in verse 29 to Eli. He says this, he says, He's saying to Eli, why then do you scorn my sacrifices? Same wording and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling. And why do you honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel? You see, in the Old Testament Deuteronomy, they weren't supposed to eat the fat. That was to belong to God. Well, Sean, why does that matter? Is God selfish? Listen, God just made the rules. That's just the way it was. Well, the fat tastes good, you know, marbling in the meat and, you know, the fats, like people like bacon and all that. It's like God made the rules, and that belonged to Him. And they were stealing from God, and God said, look, you're not just dishonoring the sacrifice, but Eli, even though you're not in there taken from that pot, you're having dinner with your boys. And you are right along there giving in with their sin, they're just as guilty as they are, and you are dishonoring my sacrifice. So, folks, that means for all of us, we need to be careful that we know the Lord Jesus, but then, then we're living our life out, honoring the sacrifice of Jesus in every area of our life. There should be an honor in our heart. That living faith starts with knowing. It goes to honoring. And then the third part of that living faith is that it's an obedient faith. There's an obedience aspect to it. Eli had eyes. He saw what his sons were doing. Look at what verse 22 says here. Now, Eli was very old, and he kept hearing, kept hearing. This is not a one-time thing. People are talking to him, and they're complaining. He's listening to what's going on, complaining all that his sons were doing to all Israel. In other words, we don't even know the whole story, the whole list. There's just all kinds of stuff that these guys are doing that were wrong. And how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. There were sexual sins. He pulls out like the two big ones. They're making a mockery of the sacrifice and they're sleeping 
with the ladies that are supposed that are there to serve God and committing these sins. And so Eli saw this and he said to them, he said, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. Eli knew it was wrong. He said, no, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. It's like, I hear it. It's not good. What are you doing? I kind of read that and, you know, read it many times. I'm kind of like, really, Eli? That's the best you got? That's what they're doing? And that's all you got? Just questioning them. (laughs) What happened to firing and ceasing and desisting and removing and just, oh my goodness, talk about awful scandal. That's all you got. You see, God expects our life in a living faith. It's not just that we know Jesus. It's not just that we honor Him in our heart and His sacrifice, but there's also an aspect that we obey Him in our life, and our lifestyle. Real living faith plays out. That relationship with Jesus plays out in our actions and our obedience. You see, if we honor Jesus, it's naturally that we're going to live obedient to Him. And the Bible, in so many places, talks about the sin, the sexual sins of our, our sexuality. There's just... It's such a drive to us. It's just it's our bodies and the way we're made and, and all of that. And yet we are responsible to control and we're responsible to, to engage. And the Bible says that, that that is meant to be between a husband and wife and a husband and wife relationship. And any, anything outside of that, any expression, anything that we're you know, giving ourselves is, is a sin before God. And so our faith is not just something that we believe. It's not just a relationship that we have with Jesus, not just an honoring in our heart, but it is a lifestyle change, that there's a a complete lifestyle shift that we live differently. Well, Sean, are you saying that, you know, if a person does a sin or does this wrong or this thing, that it means that they're not saved? No. But I am saying if there is a repeated, habitual, continual thing going on in your life, you really might not know Jesus. The problem might not just be that you don't have obedient faith. The problem might be you might be you might not know the Lord and you think you do. That when we really know the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in our life trying to teach us to honor God and respect Him and His sacrifice and trying to teach us to obey Him and all the conviction of sin and all of that that God expects us to, to live that out differently. You see, if we dishonor the sacrifice of Jesus, why are we going to somehow then obey Him in our lives? So that's when we think about living faith, it's, it's all of that. It's what we believe. It's the honor, our attitude of our heart. It's what we do in our lives. There's that obedience that's in there. And the fourth thing that it comes with living faith is not just those three things, but it's also a, an accountability. It's, a, it's an accountability kind of faith. God has finally had enough. And in verse 27, He sends somebody else, not to Hophni and Phinehas, but He sends to Eli, because Eli is responsible. This is on his watch, his boys. I don't know how in the world he managed to, like he was calling out. He thought Last week he thought Hannah was drunk when she was praying, and he called her on the carpet and was like, what are you doing? Stop, put that away from you. But yet this is a... Le- the, He could barely muster just questioning the boys. He didn't know how to hold his own sons accountable. And so God now comes and holds him accountable. Look what verse 27 says. And there came a man to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, 
Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your fathers, talking about Aaron, the first priest, when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest and to go up to my altar to burn incense, to wear an ephod? It was a religious uh, thing. We don't have time to talk about it. You can Google it if you want to know. Go look at Got Questions online. They'll tell you. I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices, my offerings I commanded for my dwelling, and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. And he goes on and tells them that says, Eli, you'll know this is coming about because you will hear your sons Hophni and Phinehas on the same day will die. You see, living faith in our lives involves an accountability to the Lord. It involves an accountability to one another. Eli was right to try to speak to his boys and hold them accountable. But he didn't go far enough. All he did was reason with them. And when they weren't willing to yield, they were disobedient to God. I mean, they disobeyed God. They were disrespectful to people. They made a mockery of the sacrifice. They're dishonoring women. I mean, just... Uh, the list goes on just of what they were doing. That's why the Bible says they were just you know, worthless men. God said, all right, then I'm going to hold Eli accountable. And God not only reasoned with Eli, He said, didn't I make you the priest? Like, this is your job. You're on watch. Like, I chose you. Like, who else is supposed to take care of this? This is your job. And because you're not doing it, I'm cutting off your bloodline. And I'm cutting off Hophni and Phinehas. And I'm punishing, I'm bringing judgment upon them for the awful things that they are doing. That may seem really bad, but you know, God takes it personally when people get in the way of other people knowing Jesus. If you look at Jesus, Jesus is gracious to sinners, folks. He's gracious to your sin and to mine. The worst that we do that God wants to forgive and restore us and heal us and forgive us. But if you notice, Jesus, while Jesus was gracious to sinners, He was really firm and blunt and rude and very pointed when it came to the Pharisees because the Pharisees were blocking people from worshiping and knowing Him. And that's what exactly these two guys were doing. And so there's an accountability that when you know and have a living faith with the Lord Jesus, that you know you need to grow in honor, you know you need to grow in obedience, there's a, an accountability that, that's in our heart that says God has put me within a faith family, that He's put me in an area with people that, to whom I'm accountable. And we don't like accountability. Have you ever met a kid that liked accountability? I haven't. I didn't like it as a kid either kind of not fun. <laughs> it just because we don't always get it right. And there's that kind of payday. There's that 
that, you know, the bill comes due. Are we going to go have fun? There's a payday. There's a bill coming due that we've got to pay. And there's a point in our lives when it's, the issue is not education. The issue, I'm, not, I'm talking about in our obedience. The issue is not our, that we don't know what we should do or how we should do it. Sometimes we're struggling with that and God's convicting us and we're realizing, like, oh, that's, I really shouldn't be that way. I, I am this or I'm that and that's wrong. But somewhere along the way, when we understand it clearly, God says, enough. You don't need any more talking to. You don't need any more education. I don't need to reason with you. There is nothing but judgment and punishment coming. Parents in the room, especially parents with younger children, better for you to discipline and hold your kid accountable than to make God do it one day. Better for you to reason with them. And by the way, reasoning will never solve it all. I know that's kind of today, sit down. The younger a kid is, the less reasoning really works, the faster you kind of have to go to, to the discipline side of things. But somewhere along the line, there's got to be a, an accountability for those things. That how we live our life matters, folks. That God is paying attention to us. And when God disciplines us, He's doing it in love, trying to draw us back into obedience, trying to teach us an honoring before Him. But Hophni and Phinehas, they were so far gone, God's like, yep, yeah, i got to cull them and get them out of here. This is awful. That's not what's normal in our lives. I'm thankful, or I'd have been killed a million times over. All right, let's just be honest. God's a gracious God, but He's trying to teach us to obey Him. He's trying to more and more submit our hearts before Him. We're saved and forgiven, but we're still a little bit of rebellious, quite a bit rebellious in there. And God's teaching us to more and more to trust Him, to submit to Him, to honor to Him, to obey Him. And along the way, He holds us accountable. That's what real living faith is about. It's willing for God, the holy God of heaven, to hold us accountable, always with grace in the middle of it. Thankfully, it's not usually like this, but to teach us accountability. And for us, that's why church family is important. Because folks, not only is it better for a kid to be disciplined and held accountable by mom and dad, it's better for church family to hold one another accountable than it is to fall into God's hands. There is a picture that the New Testament talks about that we are accountable to one another. Jesus made that clear in Matthew 18 that, that, that there, there is a point in which in our lives that we should speak to one another and there's a process to do that. In 1 Corinthians 5, he tells us there's kind of like a list of things in there. Sexual immorality is one of those things. So is a, just a, a, somebody who's a, a, just so greedy and a swindler, just out there cheating people you know, financially and all that, need to be held accountable to those things. There's a finite list. And Galatians tells us how to do it. It says, if you see your brother stuck in sin, when you are spiritual, restore them. In other words, it's not cutting them off and removing them, but it's, hey, let me help you. Restoring them in a spirit of meekness, knowing that we can stumble into that same thing. Very often when we see the sin in somebody else's life, it's because we're all too familiar with it in our own and we recognize it, and we see it. And so there needs to be a self-examination when we're trying to help people. But that's what church family is for. 
Honestly, that's really the important part of church membership. You know, there's a lot of reasons to be a member of a church. And for us, because the way we're structured here, you get to shape a part of the future. You get to be a part of that and, and have opportunities to serve. But there's also a protection that's healthy and accountability. Not only do you get to help other people and help them just kind of low-key accountability, us just even being here, reminded of these things is a level of accountability. But it even goes beyond that where private conversations can be had and prayers and support behind the scenes and kind of offline that it's healthy for us to have that kind of accountability. Folks, part of our values as a church, it's I don't I don't want my failings to be announced. Have you ever watched hockey? When the goalie messes up, the siren goes off and the lights goes and the goal goes in, and everybody's like, he missed the shot. He didn't get the block. He didn't get the save. Sometimes it's not the goalie's fault. Sometimes it's the other guy's fault. I know that. I don't want my failings to be announced in lights to the world. But sometimes somebody needs to know those things to help with the accountability to deal with that. And for us as a values of church, it recognizes that we're all still broken people that God's mending and that we're forgiven, but we've got miles to go and His work needs to end in our lives. And the last thing we want to be as a church that we're just a plastic church that just smiles on our face. Oh, everything is great. And inside it's a mess. We don't want to be like these apples that look great on the inside, but it'll you know, a worm or a bug kind of crawled into the backside, and you're like, oh, what is this? You know, you, you didn't see it, and it's just kind of rotten. Or the tomatoes, we got a little bit of that in our tomatoes. It looks great on the front, but then you miss where the worm got in on the back end, and it's horrible. We don't want to be that. We want to be on the inside, but we're trying to be on the outside. So accountable faith is a living faith. Last thing, and I'm, I'm done, is a faithful kind of faith. Look what... The Bible shifted gears after looking at Hophni and Phinehas, and God is trying to show us a stark contrast between what not to do, and He's really teeing up Samuel, that Samuel is going to be the priest that God is going to use, that's going to be faithful to the Lord. And so after telling Eli all of this that it's going to do, God tells Eli this, By the way, Eli, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, because you've not been faithful. You may have known me, but you didn't honor me, and you weren't obeying me, and you weren't accountable, and you were not faithful. You just are barely getting into heaven, Eli. He says, I'm going to raise up my faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. You see, God is looking for you and for me to be faithful and if, you're, if you look on the screen, if you have your Bible, whether it's paper or electronic, if you, if you are taking notes, I would put a big equal sign where it says a faithful priest equals who shall do according to what's in my heart and my mind. You know what faithfulness looks like? God just defined it for us. Doing what's in God's heart and mind. That's what God's looking for from you and from me. He wants our faith. Not just trusting Him for salvation, to forgive us of our sins. Not just trust Him that we're going to be okay in life and make it through it. But He's looking for our living faith that says, God, I'm going to do all that is in your heart and mind in my life. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for faithfulness. He's looking to grow us in that. 
to, for us to be a faithful, a, a firmness in our life. There should be a steadiness, that kind of a, a established, if you will, that not just obeying what's in God's heart and mind in the Bible, but as the Spirit is speaking and leading our lives, that we are pliable, we're yielding, we're not stubborn, we're not just you know kind of defiant. We're not lazy and limp and apathetic, just like, okay, I'll get to it whenever, God. But there's a faithfulness and an earnestness in our soul that we want to live our life to God in every area to Him, when we're at work, when we're playing, when we're at church, when we're with others, that, that there's a, a committedness, a listening to following and doing what He wants. That's what faithfulness is all about. And this last graphic is just to be a picture of what these things look like. A living faith starts with us knowing the Lord Jesus. It involves us honoring Him and obeying Him, being accountable in our church family and being accountable to God, and ultimately God growing us in faithfulness where we're more and more yielding ourselves to Him. And this is really cyclical. This is not a, okay, I've got this, I've got this, i got this, i got this, i got it. It's kind of a deepening of our roots, a growing up of our branches and our faith, spreading our, our faith in our lives. And so, you know, it's not that we have to eventually come back around and, well, I don't know Jesus anymore. i got to know Him again. You only trust Jesus for salvation once. You only surrender to Him one time. But it's just like in marriage. You might say, I have said I do at the altar. And you might have thought you'd known the person you're getting married to. But years later, you're still like, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about you. I'm knowing you and discovering you. That is what our life is like. So actually, each of these are kind of a slice. It's kind of a going in cycles. That God wants us to know Him even more next year than we do this year. And so it's a, an honoring Him a little more in our hearts. It's obeying Him more. It's more accountable to Him. It's more being more faithful and maybe a new area of our life or across the board. And as we do, there is more of a knowing. This is what a living faith is about. This is naturally what our world should be about. This is what we should care about. So my question for you this morning is this. Where are you on this cycle? What is God trying to speak into your heart right now? Are you back at kind of square one at the first time, like you've been that going to church thing and believed in God, but you really don't know Jesus, haven't really surrendered and committed to Him? Then you need to start at the top and take that step of faith. I encourage you, even, you know, Dan or Steve or I, would be glad to help you. Many others could. But if you're at that point where you're like, you know what, I know that I want Jesus to save me. I want to know Jesus. Then I'm going to encourage you to take one of the cards out from the seat pocket, just put your name on it, and just put something on the bottom like, I need help knowing Jesus, or I want to know Jesus. Drop it in the offering box or hand it to one of the pastors and guys, we're so like on a team together. If you want to talk to a specific pastor, like, well, Sean, I don't want to talk to you. I really want to talk to, to Dan or Steve. Then put their name on it. It's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings. In fact, it means I can watch the Patriots and not have to probably lose again. But I don't, you know, I'm not calling you. I'm teasing you. I'm glad to call you too. But if you want to talk to a certain pastor, put their name down. But folks, take care of business. You don't want to wake up one day and realize you've lived your whole life and not known Jesus. Maybe God is teaching you to honor Him more. Maybe you've been dishonoring Him, and God's convicting you of that. Maybe there's something in obedience that God's doing with. Maybe you've been nervous about accountability. Listen, I know accountability can be bad. Sometimes we get into accountability, and it's not healthy. It's toxic. 
But that's not a reason to not be accountable. Maybe even then there, God's talking to you about membership, of just saying, you know what, I'm, I do want to commit to a church family because I want to be accountable and I want to be in that and not just kind of hanging around. Or maybe there's a faithfulness in there that God's just saying, you just need to be faithful in this moment. I don't know. But which of those, my hunch is, is for most of us in this room, one of those is somewhere that God's trying to talk to us. So which one of those is for you? And what do you need to do about it? Is there a sin you need to confess? Is there a conversation you need to have? Do you need to talk to a couple of others in an accountability group? I don't know. If you need to speak to a pastor, I don't know. But maybe it's simply just you praying to God and being encouraged in it. Maybe you're looking at this and God's just helping you saying, look, this is what I've been doing in your life. And all of a sudden you're like, now I get it. Then be grateful to Him for that. Whatever your response needs to be, respond to Him today. So pray with me, would you? As our team comes up and leads us in our last song. Lord in heaven, I thank You for these simple but profound truths. Faith can be so elusive to us. It can be so abstract. And Lord, yet there's so many just tangible things that we should be doing, and that we should be, and that we should be experiencing. Help us to have this living faith. Lord, I pray that our homes and our families and our relationships and in our own life individually, before you, demonstrates living faith. Lord, help us to grow in this. Father, that's what we're about. We all want to, to live more faithful to you today than yesterday, and tomorrow more than today, and next year even more so. And Lord, we're at risk. Hophni and Phineas were just, they were kidding themselves. They were posers. They were faking they were not real. They were going through the motions. And Lord, I pray that for anyone here that's, that's doing that, maybe they're not in such egregious sins as these two men were, but nonetheless, they've never just taken that step to know You. Lord, I pray for them. I think they've been here at River long enough. They've heard. They know. But there's a, an issue of their heart of surrender and submitting and yielding. Lord, I pray that you would help them to simply bow and to kneel before you, the God of heaven. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.